I'm in John 1 tonight. That's where we're going to begin our journey. I want to say something up front. I'm going to be using a lot of Scripture tonight. Now, I never make any apologies here at Victory about using a lot of Scripture. Amen? We make no apologies for using the Word of God. This is, this is vitally important. You know, in all the many years that my wife and I traveled, it was a different type of preaching. It was uh, sometimes I was, uh, you know, you can tell how fast Roberts was speaking. That, that That's kind of the speed that I was always in where I had to, I had, okay, Brian, you got 30 minutes to speak. You got 35 minutes. You got 40 minutes to speak. And I had to zip through scriptures. But as I shepherd and as I teach and as I pastor, I love using the Word of God. We live in a time and in a generation where people are not getting saturated in the Word. They're not spending, are you listening? They're not spending quality time in the Word. So when we look at Scripture, I'm purposely and deliberately getting you to look at Scripture, assign its address into your spirit, and soak it in. Does that make sense? Are you with me tonight? All right. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing weekend and the joy, the joy of this weekend. And Father, we give you all the glory for Jesus, all the glory for giving your only beloved Son who deserves all the glory and the worship and the honor and the praise. Lord, tonight, may your word be so rich. May the power of your cross be amplified. May the beauty of your cross become a revelation in this place tonight. Lord, may the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge flow in this house by the Spirit tonight. May we drink in of the goodness of God and the revelation and the power of you setting us free from captivity and bondage and slavery. God, Oh, that we are dead to sin, but made alive unto God through Christ Jesus. Lord, may your praise thunder in this house through your word. I honor you, Lord. I honor you, and I honor your cross and your resurrection. I love you, Jesus. You are beautiful. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin in John 1 tonight. I'm going to, again, use a lot of Scripture. But when we think of the cross, I want to just begin here. When we think of the cross, there's a magnificence and there's a glory of the cross that we must see. A magnificence, a glorious description of the cross. See, the cross was... The cross was a horrendous death. The cross was a brutal, sacrificial death that Jesus willingly gave himself. Remember that Jesus' words, he said, no one can take my life from me. Jesus said, I freely lay myself down. Remember, this was a very commandment that Jesus had received from his father, I imagine, I imagine Jesus in eternity past hearing the words of his father speaking this and declaring it over his identity, over his purpose, over his mission and mandate as he would be commissioned into the realm of the earth. A father, the father speaking over his son, telling him, 
You have the authority to lay your life down. No one can take your life from you. Well, that will give you authority. No one can take your life from you. You have the power to willingly lay it down. But on the other side, I love the power of these words. You also have the power to take up your life again. Isn't Jesus glorious? He freely gave himself. What we're talking about tonight is a love that is not of this world. It required a love that is not of this world to save this world, to save you and I. I'm in John chapter 1. This is John the Baptist speaking of Jesus in verse 29. John the Baptist is there at the Jordan River. Many of you went to Israel with us. And remember our baptisms there and swimming throughout the Jordan River that day. John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Grab hold of that tonight. John begins to write. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word then became flesh And he dwelt among us. And when John saw him, he turned and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a proclamation. What an announcement. Actually, what a dream of God. What a plan and a dream of God to say, I'm going to remove the sin of the earth through my beloved Son. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. Put it in your notes tonight. We're going to use the scriptures tonight. We're going to exalt Jesus tonight. Amen? Come on. We're going to exalt the Lord in this house tonight. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. It says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names, who, whose names have not been written in the book of life and of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What is he talking about? Eternity past, eternity future, forever, the Lamb of God will be worshipped as the sacrificial Lamb. Look at his identity. He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before any of this existed, before the earth was ever formed and made, before the cosmos was ever made, Jesus had an identity. There was the plan that even the Father himself had hidden from Lucifer in eternity past. Think of that. Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Peter talks about this, 1 Peter chapter 1. It'll be behind me. Put it in your notes tonight. He talks about the power of our redemption and what it would actually cost our Father. It says, knowing this, that you were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained. It means he was predetermined before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Isn't that beautiful? It was predetermined that the precious blood of the Lamb would have to be spilled out 
and poured out. We know this, these glorious words from the Gospel of John. That Jesus said, for God so loved the world, He gave. He gave His only begotten Lamb. He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And how did that salvation come? Peter says, it came through the precious, spotless, sinless blood of the Lamb. Come on, give Him glory tonight. Come on. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Apostle Paul, he goes on, he says, For Christ is our Passover Lamb who has been sacrificed. Jesus knew His assignment. He came to live for you and I. He came to reveal the Father. He came not only to live for us, but to die for us to be risen from the dead for us, to ever, le ever live, to make intercession for us. I've been in John chapter 18 and 19 and 20 in the last several days of the crucifixion of Jesus, like many of you. And I want you to look at these words that Pilate spoke in John chapter 18 and verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, he said, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I may, may bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So powerful. In John chapter 19... We won't take time to read through the first 30 verses, but we know that Jesus went into a time of scourging. The scourge, the Roman scourge, was one less than 40 lashes. That would be a sentence to death, 40 lashes, but Jesus received 39 lashes, leaving him to be brought to a crucifixion. And in verse 18, it says there in, in John 19 that they crucified him. The lamb's, literally the lamb's back was slid open, burst open. Jesus allowed himself to be tied to that whipping post for that scourging. He took that scourge of that whip going into his skin, ripping off his flesh, ripping off his muscle, his skin. How did he do that? For love. He did it through love, by love. I know many of us have watched The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. And, and in that whipping scene, there's a time where Jesus is down on his knees and he readjusts his hands and he makes himself back up to the post willingly and standing again and bracing himself almost like in a, in a new flex ready to take more. I tell you, it was love. It was love that he took hold of those chains. It was love that he took hold of that post and allowed his flesh to be torn from him so that by his stripes, you and I would be healed and delivered. He deserves our glory. He's God's Passover lamb. He's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. He's God's Passover lamb.
It's amazing at that the Passover is now intertwined and intersected, collided this weekend. We think about the Passover lamb, the first time them celebrating the lamb in Egypt. Think about this. Behind the door where the blood was put over the post, as the death angel is now passing through Egypt, and behind that blood they are insulated and they are protected, and at the assignment of Israel, or or, excuse me, of Moses, they are instructed now to take that lamb, to put the lamb upon a horizontal and vertical post, to slit that lamb's back open, to let its blood now drain from it in preparation of receiving it, to skin that lamb, to roast that lamb, and eat the entirety of that lamb. He was always speaking revelation, a revelation, and I've said to us many times, revelation is actually what will establish authority in our lives. God was speaking it from eternity past, this is my lamb that is slain from the foundation of the world. Now they are tucked in their home. Think about this. They are about to leave slavery. They are about to leave captivity. They are about to begin a brand new beginning because the cross was not an end, ladies and gentlemen. The cross was a brand new beginning. And it would be by the blood that they would be protected from the death angel. But it was also the blood that they would be released now into newness of life. Come on, praise him tonight. I love this. He paid it in full. Jesus paid our ransom in full. He paid for our sins in full. The truth is this, is that God poured his wrath, all of his wrath, upon his son. He poured all of his anger, all of his anguish over sin that had separated mankind from the Father's heart and the Father's love. Father was willing to pour all of that wrath completely on his Son. Why? So that he could impart unto us righteousness. What a dream that God had. He wanted us to be in right fellowship. He knew that we could not do it. He knew that we, were, we weren't even capable of doing it. But he poured out all of his wrath, all of his judgment that he had upon his own beloved son, that spotless Passover lamb upon that cross so that he could impart righteousness to us and mercy to us and grace to us. That is why we stand and we lift up holy hands and say he is worthy. There is none other worthy. That's why we stand before the throne and say he is glorious. We are literally fulfilling God's will for our life. If we stood here until the sun comes up tomorrow morning and go out to the beach, if we were just here in the altar just saying, worthy, glorious, holy is the Lord, glorious, because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. We can hardly comprehend the measure of this true love. It is a love that is not of this world. Romans 6.23. You may know this scripture very well. Perhaps you don't. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gift of God. The gift of God. The gift came through the blood. I have to exalt the blood of Jesus. I have to exalt the power of this gift. Because in this gift of blood was the transaction for your deliverance. The transaction for my healing. Are you with me tonight? John chapter 10 and verse 18. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. Watch this. This command I have received from my Father. Wow. Matthew in his gospel, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus revealed his assignment. He said that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Look at those words behind me. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served. Now, that's astounding. Just the humility of God. The humility of God. Just as in Bethlehem, born in a stable, the humility of God. He says, I haven't come to be served. I've come to serve, and I've come to give my life as a ransom, a ransom for many. Jesus is the Lamb of God, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? He's the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God, and His cross is for all people. His blood is for all people. He's the Savior of the world. This is not just an Americanized Jesus. Are you with me? Jesus came to give himself for Ukrainians, for Russians. Are you here? And Bulgarians, the Polish. Are you with me tonight? The Floridians. Three amens on that. That was really good. That was your time. There's this word in 1 John chapter 2 I want us to look at tonight, and it's the word propitiation. It's not a word that we really throw around Monday through Friday. But it's a powerful word, and it's a revelatory word. The Apostle John, he writes this in chapter 2, verse 2. He says concerning Jesus, it says, He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole world. Everybody see that? Propitiation, what does it mean? If you're taking notes tonight, it it means to make atonement for. Propitiation means to make atonement for. It means to make reparations for what was wrong. It means to make an act of gaining or regaining favor or of goodwill with someone or something. See, Father knew it was completely broken, but in His propitiation, in His gift of Jesus, in the gift of the only begotten Son of God, He was going to now mend what had been torn apart. He was going to seal what had been destroyed. He was going to seal it forever, and He was going to seal it by blood. He was going to seal it by a new and living covenant in a a new living way. What's beautiful about this is that this reveals the heart of our Father. It reveals the very nature and the character of our Father. Our Father longs for things to be right between us and Him. He longs for things to be right between us. Romans chapter 3, 
Again, using Scripture tonight. Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to begin to read out of the Passion Translation. Verse 25. Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now He is our mercy seat because of His death on the cross. We come to Him for mercy, for God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. I want you to highlight that, underscore that. It's a word that we don't use very often. It's sacred. It's holiness unto the Lord. His blood is sacred. Say that tonight. His blood is sacred. Say it again. His blood is sacred. By the sacred blood of Jesus. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice because until now, He had been so patient holding back His justice out of His tolerance for us. So He covered our sins, of the, the sins of those who had lived prior to Jesus' sacrifice. And when the season of tolerance had come to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away His righteousness and still be true both to His justice and His mercy. And how did He do it? To offer up his own son. I, I just love how that's worded. God desired to give away his righteousness, yet what did he have to do? He had to still be true to his justice and his mercy. And there was no other way to manifest mercy or justice and righteousness perfectly except through the gift of Jesus. He offered his own son. So now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, look what it says. God declares us righteous in His eyes. Is that the most magnificent words ever? That tonight we sit here in heavenly places before the throne. We sit here clean. We sit here right with God. We sit here justified. You have been washed clean from your past. You are a new man. You are not the old man. You're the new man. Oh, glory. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The words of the apostle Paul. He said, this is the gospel that I preached to you, which also you received in which you stand. Oh, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, let's get down to the nitty-gritty on this tonight. Amen. When the Apostle Paul went into the Grecian city of Corinth, he said openly, he said, I did not come to you with persuasive words, but I came to you with the glory of the cross of Christ. I love this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When Paul described his message, he says, we preach Christ crucified. Hear this tonight. We preach Christ crucified. That's 1 Corinthians 1 and 23. 
And when he preached this, it says that the people of Corinth, they thought it was a bunch of nonsense. They thought it was utterly foolishness. Listen, they thought it was foolishness. When they heard about the cross of Christ, they said, this is nonsense. This is foolishness. Can I tell you, in, in April of 2022, there are many, many, many people who still believe in this hour that the cross of Christ is nothing but foolishness or rubbish. But to us that has been saved through the power of the cross, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Paul answers to them. He says, the foolishness of God, it is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. My God. When you see the cross, you see this brutal man, the son of man. You see a mangled body. You see blood. You see torture. But yet you see this overwhelming, glorious manifestation of the love of God revealed in Christ. Before we began this meeting, we sat with those who are about to be water baptized. And I took them through this revelation, this simple yet revelatory revelation of the kingdom that we were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Him in baptism. We were risen to new life in Christ. And we have been raised and ascended with Him and seated in heavenly places with Christ. This is the gospel of glory. This is the gospel of power. Whew. Romans chapter 5. Verses 6 through 8, we're using our Bibles tonight. We make no apologies for that. Amen? I love what the Apostle Paul writes here. He says, Romans chapter 5, this, verses 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us. You've got to see that. God demonstrates His love. God demonstrates His love. God demonstrates His love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He put it on open display. He put His love on open display to demonstrate once and for all, this is how much I love you. I love this. God says, I'm going to deal with your sinful nature. I'm going to crucify you in Christ. I'm going to put you in Him. And I'm going to put you on that cross. And I'm going to destroy the power of sin over your life so that sin will not have dominion over you. So that sin will not have dominion over you. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says that the old man was crucified in Him. You have to see this tonight. Our old man was crucified in Him. Our old sinful nature has no more power over us. Romans chapter 6, verse 14, if you're still there, the Scripture promises that sin shall no longer have dominion over us. You have to decree this. You have to declare it, ladies and gentlemen, that sin no longer has dominion over you. 
It's revelation that establishes authority. When I sit with men behind closed doors and we begin to talk about life and they begin to share their struggles and their pain, you know what I take them back to? No, I've got better news for you. You are dead to sin, but now you are alive unto God. Your old man was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, now you're living, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Your old man has been done away with, ladies and gentlemen. You are dead to sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 7, we're still there. He said, he who has died has been freed from sin. Watch this. For he who has died has been free from sin. Well, what in the world does that mean? Does that, I mean, where's the hope in that? Are we just delivered from the, from the power of sin when we die? That's not what Paul's saying at all. Paul is saying that you have been delivered from the power of sin because you have already died in Christ Jesus. Your deliverance has come. You're not going to be free from sin when you pass into the everlife. You have already been set free from the dominion and the power of sin because you were crucified in him. Sin does not have dominion over you. I'm telling you, I'm praying the Holy Spirit is thundering this over your life tonight. You have been free from the power of sin. And it came through the blood. It came through the blood. Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul writing again to us. Thank you, parents, for helping me with kids. I appreciate that. The Apostle Paul wrote of the implications of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He stated this truth that he desired to personally experience. In verse 10, he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That's the key. The gospel is alive and the gospel is real because of the resurrection, ladies and gentlemen. The gospel is real. The gospel is alive because of the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, and if Christ has been raised, then our preaching, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. Wow. Wow. Paul writes on in Romans chapter 1, in verse 4. He says, by his resurrection from the dead, he has declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. Let me read that over you again. By his resurrection from the dead, he has declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. It's revolutionary, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. He's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. He's the soon returning king. He is the risen one. He is the risen one. And all the world will know. All the world will see him. All the nations will look upon the one that they have pierced. They will know he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. 
Isaiah chapter 53, if you'd go there with me tonight. The prophecy concerning our Messiah, his body and his blood given. In verse 4, surely he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. These are powerful words. Don't hurtle over those words too quickly. He was stricken. He was smitten by God. He was afflicted. There's weight. There's gravity to these words. He was afflicted, smitten by God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep, we have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before a shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. He was our Passover lamb, ladies and gentlemen. He was our Passover lamb, coming to destroy our shame, our condemnation, our guilt, the power of sin. Every weapon that the enemy could throw at us. Jesus' blood came to overcome and bring us into victory and triumph. I want you to write this down tonight. It's very simple. The cross is not the end. The cross is a new beginning. The cross is not the end. The cross is a new beginning. We're going to go to, to the book of Hebrews tonight to close. And I want to talk about the high priest for a moment who Jesus' identity is concerning his own blood. We know that on the day of atonement that the high priest would take the blood of the lamb after it was examined to be a perfect lamb without blemish, without spot. And those priests, they ministered in the outer court with the washing basin there, and then the altar of sacrifice, and then draining the blood and taking the blood, and then going into the holy place where there was the table of showbread, there was the altar of incense, and then the illumination of the menorah. I want you to see that picture as Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the sweet aroma of perfect sacrificial life going up before my Father. But then the high priest, the high priest would take that blood and he passed through that veil. And when the Apostle Paul writes in Hebrews, he says that the veil that was torn was literally Jesus' flesh. That that high priest each year would go in with that blood of the Lamb to the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies. What was the only piece of furniture that was there? The Ark of the Covenant. 
Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, the bowl of manna, angel food that literally fell from the ground. It's what they called it, angel food. And the, the, the high priest would take that blood and he would pour it on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant to make atonement for the sins of the people. This is exactly what Jesus did as our high priest. He took his own blood not into a tabernacle that was made by hands in the earth realm, but he ascended into the heavenly realm, into the holy of holies, before his father's throne, bearing his own blood, perfect, the sacrificial lamb, and pouring it on the throne of his father and said, it is finished. It is done. It is, it is completed. It is finished. I want you to go to Hebrews tonight, chapter 9, and this is where we want to close. Verse 11. But, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Oh, Lord. And if this reason, he is the mediator, and it is for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance for where there is a testament, there is also the necessity of the death of the testador. For the testament is not in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, even, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. What a sight. Think of that. What a sight that is. Saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Look at these next words. For without the shedding of blood... There is no remission for sin. Jesus, our high priest, he did it all. He entered into the most holy place before his father because father desired us to be clean. In fact, Isaiah, Isaiah says concerning father that father wanted to literally remember our sins no longer. He literally wanted to blot out and wash away our sins forever from us as far as the east is from the west. He desired to remove our sins from us. 
Why? So that our conscience could be clean. Our conscience could be pure before God so that we could go on to serve the Lord in pureness of heart and a conscience that had been washed by the blood of Jesus. I ask you, is he glorious? I ask you, is he glorious? Is he worthy? I ask you this night, is he glorious? He is the glory of God. He is the glory of God. He is my high priest. Isaiah chapter 1. I don't know if I gave you the scripture back there tonight. Verse 18, it says, Though our sins were as scarlet, we shall be washed whiter than snow. This weekend, I pray is very sacred and holy to you. I pray that you miss nothing that Father desires to speak to you. I pray that in your quiet time with the Lord, that the revelation of the blood, the revelation of His cross, His passion, but of His unstoppable love for you would be manifested. Oh, how the Lord loves us. Oh, how He loves you and I. I close here tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you were bought with a price, the death of God's Lamb. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price. What is that price? It was the death of God's Lamb. The death of God's Lamb. You were bought with a price. It's amazing that these weekends will be about many things that are not remotely even connected to this story, unfortunately. That's why we have to get back to the Word. And it's why we have to get back to Calvary to look at the cross and look at Jesus and look what He gave for us. Look at his sacrifice again. Ladies and gentlemen, look at the sacrifice. I said at the beginning of this service, we will forever worship Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He, he will never cease to be called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We will forever worship him for his sacrifice. We will forever worship him. 10,000 years from now, ladies and gentlemen, you and I will be very much alive and we will be in the kingdom come. We will be before the throne of God. We will be before the throne of God. We will be before the face of our king. And still, we will be crying out worthy, holy, holiness unto the Lord, holiness unto the Lord. Worthy is the Lord because his praise will go on and on and on and on forever throughout eternity for what he has done, for his sacrifice, for his blood, for his cross. Tonight, I'd like you to bow your head. I'd like you to close your eyes tonight. The simplicity of the gospel is so powerful, and yet it's so revelatory. So revelatory. 
tonight in this room, there could be those that have come and you do not know the Lord. You don't have a relationship with King Jesus. You don't have a relationship with the Lord. You've not turned over your life to Him. You've not made Him the Lord and the King of your life. This is that opportunity, and I implore you, I'm telling you, God loves you so deeply, so richly, eternally loves you. He has written an eternal love story over your life. And this is the night to give your life to Jesus Christ. He is who He said He is. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. Father, I exalt your Lamb. I exalt your Son. And I pray, Lord, if there would be anyone in this room or many in this room that do not know you, that this would be the night that they turn their life over to you and that they would believe this night that you were crucified for them, that you have been risen from the dead by you, Father, and they would confess you as King and Lord. Tonight, if that's you, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to look across the sanctuary tonight. If you would say, Brian, that's me. I'm, I'm the one who needs to give my life to the Lord. I want to surrender my life to the Lord. I believe, and I believe Jesus was sacrificed and crucified for me. And I want to receive his sacrifice. I want to receive the love of the Father that was given through the Lamb of God. Brian, that's me. If that's you tonight, I just want you to look up and wave at me so I know you're here. And we want to pray for you. Yes, yes. Just lift your hand so I can see you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So important, these moments, and they're holy. They're holy. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. But to everyone in this room, There is, a, there is another revelation of our King that God is pouring out this special, this special time of Easter, this celebration. And I believe that the glory of God is going to be poured out upon the bride of Christ globally throughout the world beyond anything we've ever conceptually imagined. I see the rising, the true resurrection of the bride of Christ happening throughout the nations of the earth. There is a revelation hitting, hitting the body and raising the body up in glory and power. And His glory shall be radiant upon you and seen upon you. I want you to stand tonight. We want to pray with these that have lifted their hands. Everybody stand. And I would like every one of us to pray. I've went slowly tonight. I've went almost methodically tonight for this moment, for this moment. We have prayed tonight that many would give their lives to Jesus, and I saw the hands that went up. And tonight, I'd like us all to pray. Would you do that? All, all of us tonight. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
I want us to pray this tonight. Father God, I come to you in the precious name of Jesus. I yield my life to you. I surrender my heart to you this night. Father, I believe that you gave Jesus for me to be crucified for me. And I believe that you rose him from the grave so that I might be saved. I believe this night I confess Jesus to be my Lord and King, to be my Savior. I renounce my past life. I renounce and repent of my sin. And I give myself completely to the King of glory. Jesus, I make you my Lord this night. I believe you are my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I'd like our altar team to prepare themselves in just a few moments. We're going to open the altars tonight to pray for everyone that needs prayer. And those of you that lifted your hands tonight to receive Christ into your life, I implore you as you come forward, make yourself known to the families and the couples. Yes, I see that. Thanks, Philip. Make, I keep doing that. Make yourself known to those that are part of the prayer team tonight. If you gave your life to Christ this night, make yourself known to our prayer team. Come up tonight. We have a gift for you. We have a brand new Bible for you. And we want to help you in your faith journey tonight. Would you do that? I'd like our, our prayer team just to begin to prepare themselves. You know exactly what that means. <laughs> you know exactly what that means. And actually, I forgot to do something important. So I want you to just be seated for one more moment in heavenly places. We're going to receive tonight a miracle offering. Amen. Ushers, would you come right now? Just lift your hand tonight if you have an offering. You have an offer or you need an offering envelope tonight. Lift your hands so we can serve you. Always remember you can give safely and securely at VictoryFLA.com. You can give on our VictoryFLA app as well. You can give right now on the app, safely and securely. Guys, we want to thank you so much for your faithfulness of giving. Honey, did you want to share something? Oh, okay. I thought you had something. You had that look on I want to thank you so much, really, on the behalf of my wife and I and our leadership here. We just thank you so much for your faithfulness of giving. God has blessed us richly. God has blessed this church richly. He's taking us into a great, great new season. Glory to God. Are you ready to give tonight? Yeah, I hear you. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to give, to expand your kingdom. And I speak blessing over the people of God tonight. Lord, I speak prosperity, God, more than enough. I speak prosperity and blessings and breakthrough over your people this night. Lord, tonight we rebuke lack, we rebuke debt, and we speak abundance, God. We speak open doors of breakthrough, provisions, inheritances. Lord, that which has been tied up in the realm of courts, Lord, we pray now it will be released to them. In the name of the Lord Jesus, everything that belongs to your children shall be released. And we speak it over them tonight in Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go ahead, ushers. Thank you guys so much. Beautiful. Beautiful. Man, love you guys. I love this weekend. I love this weekend. It's going to be so powerful out on the beach tomorrow. The baptisms are going to be absolutely electrifying tomorrow. We've got beautiful children being baptized. We've got couples. We've got families being baptized. It's going to be amazing. Hallelujah. Prayer team, if you'll come now, we want to minister to the people tonight. Father, we thank you for miracles in the house tonight. We thank you for healing in the house tonight. Father, in these altars, in Jesus' name, may the power of your blood flow. We speak forth miracle wonders and healing. We just release your triumph. We release your victory over the people of God this night. Your glory over the people. Words, Lord, words of revelation, words of power and anointing being released over their lives. In the name of Jesus. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand. Tonight, for any reason that you would need prayer, anything that you're believing, Father, for this night, in any sphere of your life, relationally, in your marriage, what you're believing God for, the healing in your body, come tonight. Father, I thank you. Brent, I want you to just come and join me. Father, we just thank you for this miracle weekend. We thank you for the delight of our King. We call this weekend sacred, set apart, and holy to the Lord. I thank you, Lord, throughout all the earth, every tribe and tongue, God, we will be praising you for your resurrection tomorrow. Your church will be worshiping, singing of your glory and your praise. You are worthy of it all, Lord. We worship you this night, and we give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Can we just lift up praise to the Lord one more time? Come on, church. Come on. Praise the Lord. We'll see you in the morning. For those of you that desire prayer, come now. We'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. on the ocean. I can't wait to worship with you. Good night, everybody.